Hey, I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. You guys know every every week I try to bring you in a different sort of singing intro, and I get notes that I should stop doing that. So I just want to tell you guys I don't appreciate that, and I'm gonna keep singing. <laughs> this is I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall, and today I am here with my bestie, with my bestie. I'm here with Beth, the inclusive stepmom. Right under this intro, I'm going to tell you all about my BFF, Beth. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Beth is a certified step family coach and one of three moms raising a feisty redheaded stepdaughter as the CMO and editor-in-chief of Stepmoms, the first ever mobile app for stepmoms, and the founder of the platform, The Inclusive Stepmoms. It's her mission to make stepmothers, regardless of stepfamily dynamic or sexual orientation, feel safe and supported. She spent her life learning to thrive in stepfamily dynamics. And after her parents became divorced when she was four years old, and a few stepdads and a stepbrother later made their way in and out of her life. Beth specializes in LGBTQ issues, being a childless stepmom, infertility, dealing with the ex in a small town, and strengthening step families through focusing on relationships with our partners. Beth McDonough, everybody. Hey Beth. Hey Naja. I am so good. How are you? Listen, I am fantabulous. It's even better when I get to talk to you though, because I think you and I instantly claimed one another as mm -hmm. our online own. And so it's kind of virtual like, besties. Yes. It's kind of like I'm just talking to one of the homies right now. So that's cool. Beth, I want to talk about the inclusive stepmom first and mm -hmm. foremost, because um, we're living in a day and age where people that have been marginalized and excluded mm -hmm. and, um, almost erased, especially by patriarchy. You guys know how I feel about patriarchy. Same. Are, are really starting to have their voices heard and are creating very specific places for them and people like them to feel included. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'll say this, that I've learned for, from you is to be more inclusive. And I once considered myself you know, a pretty like open gal. Like, listen, I know what it's like to be the last hired and the first fired. I mean, <laughs> clearly. Um, but then I started seeing some of the languages that you use on your own platform. And I was just like, wow, I'm a person that refers to marriage as a, a man and woman type of deal. And I am also a person that literally has dozens in my own family, my own loved one, same sex, beautiful, long marriages that I've seen. And so you know, just a matter of, I'm so glad you, you brought forth your platform because just a matter of those of us that feel like we're being sensitive and feel like we're doing enough and feel like we're making people that we love, that we claim to love, feel included, um, just using the wrong damn pronouns make a person feel excluded. Well, I mean, it's all about intention though, right? I mean, I, cause I'll be the first one to say that I have multiple times gone back and checked my website for what photographs I'm using, right? Am I showing um, all white women who look like me? And that's, that's a really uh, intentional gut check that I have to remind myself to do because we mm -hmm. automatically speak from our own experiences and look for, you know, representation overall, but we are, are we're automatically looking for 
people and situations and words that are like ours. Yes. And one of the biggest mind Fs that I, I always talk about, I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but when Forbes magazine asked me about this, they thought they I were going to get you, some, girl. They thought they were going to get some safe answer. Now they didn't put all my, they didn't put the real Miss Naja in there because y'all know how I do. But I was like, y'all are really bullshitting. If y'all, if you think that this picture of white male heteronormative, um, this system is really what the families of the world look like, not just here in America. All of that didn't make the article, but like you said, we do want our, no, not want, we do just put our stuff, push our stuff to the forefront, but we also do, all people have the responsibility of being very mindful that you're leaving other people out and that's a real asshole thing to do. It well, really it's, is. it's a cling to, to power for the people who already have power, right? It's, right. it's a, a push for us to think that leave it to beaver is what the world looks like or you know what this country looks like and it never has been and it it's not and it won't be and so we have to be louder than that we got to be louder it's scary though because there are some people in this world on the platforms that follow me and you that mm -hmm. genuinely think that that's what the world looks like because they've surrounded themselves just by that monolith like that one particular thing and when they see those of us that are a little bit different it's like oof and listen, this this podcast today, y'all, this will be an intense conversation that Beth and I have. It's not meant to make you feel attacked, but if you can't say amen, say ouch. And there <laughs> might be a little bit of ouching today, but it's all in love. I promise you that it is, it's all in love. I want to talk the ex inclusive stepmom, Beth, mm -hmm. because I've seen you be so vocal and so adamant about some, yeah, I just, I just cheer in the background when I see you roasting. Thank you, because I get told I pick fights too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the people that tell will tell you that you pick fights too much are the ones that don't have the B-A-L-L-Z to do it. Mm -hmm. And they want you to be this quiet, docile. It's like, hey, listen, we gave you a platform, Beth. What more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's not going to accept you, Beth. Like, what, do you, what more do you want? And you're like... I want the same thing that you have. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if that makes yes. you uncomfortable. If you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> Get you a big t-shirt that says ouch. So um, one of the incidents that, that happened recently, and I don't know, I don't think you, you pick fights. I think you just kind of call out stuff when you feel like you're, like, when you're done wrong. Yeah, and what people need to realize um, who don't know me very well is, if I will, I have blown up my own family over this stuff, like blood family. So if I will do that, Ooh. I have absolutely no problem doing it to you. <laughs> Tell me about an instance where you had to kind of call the, the, the blood family out. Oh. Without getting too personal, because I don't want you, I don't want them emailing me. No, no. Well, so, um, you know, my wife and I got engaged around the same, not to get all political, but it, we got engaged in 2016. You know what happened in 2016? And so I was coming out at the same time that election was happening. Really? Yes. And so basically there were things and thoughts and feelings and opinions and stances that my family had that I did not know until all of that brought it to my attention. Um, and so I had to make some, and I would have never known, right? I probably would yeah. have never known otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful to know. So in a nutshell, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna take the same kind of 
behavior or just sit by and watch, you know, something go by when I've, I've already been willing to do that in that situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think what happened with, with the incident that Beth is referring to in the times is it showed us, like, I think a lot of people were baited. I think a lot of people were antagonized. I think, uh, there are certain groups of America that were straight up gaslit. Mm -hmm. And there were a there was a lot of people fifty one percent of tip of a particular group that stood by and were okay with it and supported it. Mm -hmm. And no matter what your political stance is, because we have people that listen to this podcast from all over the world, Republicans, Democrats, liberals. I don't know what other group they that you know. Forgive my ignorance, you know. But um, I think we saw people intentionally being pitted against one another. I had to have for like sure. at, for for Thanksgiving, I had four little uh, not little because they they're not little girls, but like four of my, my white home girls over from Tribeca, mm -hmm. they had to bring their asses to uh, my house for Thanksgiving because they refused. Their families disinvited them for disagreeing with the status quo of what made their own family feel safe. Yeah, I haven't been to mine since 2016, and so it came out in 2016. Yes. And well, I might have come out in 2015, I think, but I, I mean, I'll just give you a small example of, of what happened. So I have a cousin who, uh, in light of, of the election and some of my concerns about rights of mine that could be peeled back as a queer person, mm -hmm. I was told, um, well, you claim that you are bisexual, which means you've made a choice to be with someone of the same gender as you. And so you've made your own bed. You can lie in it. Oh man, <laughs> listen, I just, I, I'm glad, oh man, that's a really. So there's a difference between different, like, you know, opinions on taxes or, uh, you know, roads and bridges, uh, you know, infrastructure, like there are, there's a difference between those kinds of discussions and the discussions that are, I don't, I think it's cool if you have your rights taken away. I think it's okay if you have your, because you chose it basically yeah. mm -hmm. okay yeah i don't think that's somebody that's going to be invited to the cookout by saying <laughs> something like that that literally minimizes a person's life mm -hmm. hmm. i just i never understood that and this is me i just and you guys know how i feel about this like you know i like i'm a person i've said this many times my husband knows this i'm a person that believes sexuality is fluid that is my personal belief because mm -hmm. if you close if you close your eyes and it gets good enough you ain't gonna know who's down there honey so <laughs> you know and i think um, there's a fine line between do i want to be this person or do i want right. to be friends with this person or do i want to you know this person right <laughs> right exactly and if you've had certain experience i mean you guys know i'm a I'm a grown woman that's been in new york for years i've had certain experiences and i've had certain beliefs but i've been out there experiencing the world i'm not in some little small piece of the world where people look just like me and talk like me and act like me and believe the same things i did yeah. so how does it happen when you have a family member that looks you in your face beth and says well it's it's kind of okay you should be found with your rights being taken away because you chose this girl what do you do I mean, I do what I tell stepmoms to do all the time is put up a damn boundary, right? I mean, it is to, you know, protect yourself and protect the family that you are now also partially responsible for. Yes. Yes. So then you met Jen 2015, 2016, you guys fell in love, you got hitched. Mm -hmm. What type of battles did you guys start to face? Because you were, were you a, a person that was 
new to the queer life or has it been something that you're like, hey, listen, this has always been a part of me. I just didn't feel comfortable. No, um, super new. So um, I grew up in West Virginia and um, I never really saw that I don't like the type of person um, who is the same gender as me that I am attracted to. So I'm attracted to like a masculine of center person. Okay. Um, so I would never, I, I wouldn't see myself dating uh, a woman who I would also want to take their clothes, like, and wear them myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because time. that feels yeah. like I'm competing, right? I don't want you to compete <laughs> with me. I, like, I yeah. want, you know, I want you to look good in your own way. Yes. Um, and so I just didn't, I mean, I like, I'm attracted to, to men just fine. And so I never saw a woman who made me question that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved to Pittsburgh and Jen and I worked together and she was my best friend. We were both in serious relationships. So we were besties for like a year. Um, really? And, yes. And then when we- Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So I just, I didn't, I want to say probably didn't let myself go there in my mind. So right? you're in a relationship with a guy at that point and she was in a relationship with a girl. Yeah. With her ex, who is my stepdaughter's okay. other parent. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. And um, those two relationships ended roughly around the same time. And we were each other's support system through that. And we got into an argument and I don't even remember what it was about now, but we didn't talk for like three days. And Naja, I had like a breakdown in the shower because I was like, why am I so upset that I'm not talking to this person? And then I realized. You're like, wait, do I? Yeah. Ah, Do I? I Wait a minute. And so then how do you tell this person that has always identified you as straight because that's how you present it? How do you go and say, hey, hey, Jen, what did you say? We had so many, you know, we're, we're both women. So we talk about our feelings a lot and we had always, oh Lord, (laughs) we had always done that. And so the next day I, I kind of went to her and I was like, I can't not talk to you. I can't do this anymore. And, um, I don't remember the details of the conversation, but you know, she, I, kissed me first obviously because I wasn't I I couldn't go there I just oh, I was getting juicy. so shy about it um I say yes but so anyway that was supposed to be a much shorter answer than it ended up being but um <laughs> it's okay so I I was adjusting to all of the things at the same time they were all new to me right so having like dating a woman was new to me having a child in my life was new to me so when I hit obstacles I was always like Okay, am I having a hard time because of this thing or because of this thing? That's a lot of things at once, Beth. Yeah. That's like, that's a lot. That's that's a hell of a lot of transitions at one time. What was harder saying, okay, I'm dating a woman now, or I am dating a woman who has a kid and an ex. The latter, the second one. Tell me about sure. that experience. Tell me about your introduction into stepmotherhood. Well, I had met my stepdaughter a couple of times through work things. So we had, you know, like the take, take your kid to work day and all that stuff. You were kind of acquainted. Yeah. But she would, I mean, the first time I ever met her, she was two. And so how, how well can you get to know, you know, a toddler? Um, And so it was, our relationship was like a slow build because, you know, she was already mommy's friend and then, you know, things evolved from there. My biggest challenge was I already also knew her ex in that capacity. 
um, we had been to work Christmas parties together and things like that. So there was this. Uh, wait a minute. So you knew the ex. Does this mean that she thought that you were a part of the demise of her relationship? There is a story. Everybody has a story about. Everybody about has a story. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And even um, if you know the person, you still kind of get accused. I know so many people. Yes. And, and I have um, in many many, many, many times through trying to practice a lot of empathy mm. um, said, you know, I would probably think a lot of these same things were I in right, the yeah. other person's position. It's a very valid thing. Oh, because I mean, how common are affairs with coworkers? Like how many marriages and relationships have we seen that room? And so it's a, it's a very common misconception. Yeah, super common. Yes. And so on top of that adjustment, um, we... So my wife was living in, in Pittsburgh where I was like, well, she moved to Pittsburgh to be closer to, to work. And my stepdaughter was young enough. She wasn't in kindergarten yet. So they, they were just pass her back and forth, you know, like a week at a time. Um, but when she started kindergarten, we had to relocate to um, maintain. Small the town. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's when she, well, she already knew her ex already knew that you guys had taken to one another and you were together by that mm -hmm. point. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. How was it introduction? And you know, you have a business to run. So I don't like business people to go all into detail about their tea unless they want to. But then how was the introduction with the ex and I waited um, a very long time before I started to show up at things. Um, and I think that that was probably the best decision I ever made. Uh, okay. in, in the moment I was in a big hurry. I was like, I just want to, you know, I want things to feel normal. I want to be able to go to this recital. I want, you know, what if we are, um, you know, there were times in the early days where we would be, Jen and I would be out doing something and she would need to, you know, pick my stepdaughter up and she would drop me off at a coffee shop to go get like, to do the exchange. Mm. We were super intentional about that. And at the time I was like, why is this taking so long? This is ridiculous. You know, I struggled. And now when I look back, I realized that that probably made a big difference. You, you were, so that means you did, you sacrificed so that you can help this family transition into, Hey, listen, they're going from romantic uh, partners. They've moved. Now they got to figure out how to be co-parents and raise the same kid. Yeah. And that's very difficult when, you know, you got this hot blonde right here all up in the way. <laughs> Go to a coffee shop, girl. <laughs> yes. And so then obviously things are where they are. How did your family take to, because I know everybody has like a coming out story mm -hmm. and sometimes they're deeply personal. And if I cross a line, just tell me, hey, now y'all won't talk about that. And then um, and I think it sucks that a, per a queer person has to come out because I just decided that I liked boys and i didn't have to make a declaration to my family i didn't it didn't have to right. be this big ass thing hopefully someday I, we just stop assuming one way or the other right yeah yeah so but you came out to your loved ones well into adulthood after they had been used to seeing you with the opposite sex yes so then how in the hell do you do you go home and say hey uh mom and dad <laughs> this is here's jen like, how do you do that yeah, so I made, um, you know, a lot of visits on my own separately to kind of with the intention of having this conversation. And, um, you know, it was very much like, hey, I need to tell you something. I'm seeing somebody. I'm really happy. 
um, but I don't know how you're going to feel. And the funny thing was um, a couple of people, because I, I was so nervous, a couple of people said, well, what do you think we're not going to be okay with? Did they have, like, he, they said, does he have a kid? <laughs> yeah. And I, well, like, there, yes, were these, yeah, there were these guesses where I'd be like, mm, you're half right. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's part of it. I mean, yeah. There we go. Yeah. And so when I would, um, you know, there were a lot of people who were really awesome and just were like, okay, cool. What's she like? Tell me, you know, that's awesome. Yes. Whoever makes you happy. There was also another group of people um, no one was, was flat out an asshole to my face. Um, but there were a lot of people who almost like, didn't believe me who were like, are you sure? Or how long have you known? They, a lot of times people think that they don't know you anymore or like that they've been deceived if you've been yeah. in and have like kept a part of you from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, that's literally what being in the closet means. I mean, right. You know? It's like, I'm hiding something from you. I don't want you to know it. And I'm coming out yeah. well too. So then I, I could understand from where I'm sitting, why people would not believe you because they'd seen you probably go to prom with boys and mm-hmm. they met some of your douchebag boyfriends before, mm-hmm. you, you know, seeing you in love with, you know, the people that are closest to you, you know, they do feel like they know you and our sexuality is a big part of that, oddly yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. So then what about the people that didn't believe you or say, oh, this is a phase. Beth is just... Beth just had her heart broken and it's just, Jen was just, what about, how do you respond to that? Um, I'm a very, well, used to be, I think through all of this have become a more confrontational person, but Mm. by default, (laughs) I love love that side of you though. You're speaking up for yourself. Yes. And I did not used to. So in the beginning I was, I felt, I felt like I had to explain myself or defend myself. And so I would try to say like, no, I've, spent a lot of time with this person. Like I, I actually know and more certain that there is love there because this person became yeah. my best friend first. Um, and then right. people, yeah. And then people were like, well, maybe you're confused because you love her in that way. And you're, you know, you're mixing up the two different kinds of love. And, and so basically I, I just ended up being like, okay, well, I'll, you can just wait and find out. I guess we'll just we'll all see. find out. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. What advice do you have for people that are in the situation now where, because I had um, Dr. Janine Cariotis. Is that how you say Dr. Janine? Is that how you say her name? Um, she, like a person in a similar situation, she and I have become close over the years. What do you say to a person mm-hmm. that is in a situation like yours where they are embracing their queerness and they're saying, this is a part of me and I do want to explore that, but I feel so freaking trapped by society by my family by everybody else's expectations how do you um what advice do you have to a person that is on the brink of it and they need to explore this side of themselves i would say you have to make the critical but very hard decision to put your well-being and your needs before someone else's comfort Okay. Because no one is going to do that for you. Literally no one. No. Literally no one. And you know, one thing that I learned is people act like they care so much about, oh my God, Beth is doing this, but then they have their own lives, their own kids, their own bills to pay. They have their struggles of their own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's a good thing. What's hardest? What was the hardest thing? Coming out to the family or becoming a stepmom? When I look back, 
definitely becoming a stepmom because it was a longer hard. Break that down. So, um, well, number one, coming out is something that you have a lot more control over, right? You get, I mean, unless someone goes behind your back and says your business to other people, which, you know, you don't have control over, but you get to control how and when and who you tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once that initial ice is broken, you can usually gauge pretty well, like in what capacity that person is going to continue to be in your life. Um, or what your relationship is going to be like with that person. And so yeah. it's definitely like a bandaid rip off, right? Like yeah. it's, it can be in the moment pretty visceral, but after that, it's kind of all downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, but becoming a stepmom, you don't know what to expect on a day-to-day basis. And there could be, it's like, it's like, what's more like death by a thousand cuts, right? Like over <laughs> a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then how did your, who had the biggest adjustment? Um, because I, I guess I'm a, your stepdaughter, she had the experience of, she had two moms already before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were like the odd guy out then here. Like you're the one where everything is new to you. The lifestyle, the, the, um, parenting, co-parenting part of it. Mm -hmm. Would you say that you're the one that had the biggest adjustment? Um, I, I do, I do think I did, but I would also, I'm tempted to say probably my wife because um, she, I watched her go through the adjustment of not getting to have her kid all the time. Um, mm. And I don't know what, you know, I, we spend 50% of our time with my stepdaughter and I don't know what it's like to have more than that. Um, And so I feel like the addition of her was a smaller adjustment for me, a smaller thing to obstacle to get over than the loss of her was for my wife of that mm. percentage of time. Man, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, you I, I'm, I don't have biological children either, but, you know, I just, I had to watch a person's children be, and it was visceral, mm-hmm. literally ripped from them by someone that was emboldened by the courts and in their own disordered personality and you know just being fully mean and I you know now I commend my husband a whole bunch because it's like wow dude although I don't quite get what it means to have a kid ripped away from you Mm -hmm. the fact that you were so resilient to deal with some stuff like that and still be okay to still be able to just smile and thrive and not snap yes that's a big thing and some of us see that in real time and some of us don't, right? Because sometimes we come into the picture long after that stuff has been right dealt with. Yes, yes. But you were kind of a you were you were kind of there just watching her process those emotions and learn mm-hmm. how to reframe what parenting looked like to her. Yeah, exactly. Damn. That's awesome. So you've um how do you feel about this? And I know I said it a few seconds ago, and I don't know if it's offensive, but when I said new to the lifestyle, is that something that feels like an overgeneralization? Because I know people just say, oh, Beth lives this lifestyle. But it's like, dude, I'm just living. So is that something that I should be careful of? Or all of us need to? Uh, yes and no. I mean, so I think, because like I think I said earlier too, everything, it, the intention is what is what matters the most, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but... When I hear the like when the word lifestyle to me often um, 
is attached to a choice, right? You're living like a vegan lifestyle or this lifestyle. Um, I think that there's definitely a queer culture, right? Like there's, um, you know, queer community and things like that. But yeah, I think lifestyle and living um, are, are two very different things. Okay. Okay. I think it depends on how you define that word. Right. So you can, like people who, um, have a lot of, of fear of queer people or, you know, that is sometimes, Ooh, you're afraid of queer people. What are they going to eat you? I know. Right. Like, come on, come on guys. Like, but they sometimes don't... they intentionally use that word to mean something very specific because they want to make it clear that that is a choice. Mm-hmm. I understand. So I want to talk about, you know, and you've been quite vocal about this, but I don't know the details. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about infertility because there's a lot of couples yeah. that are, can we say battling that? Is that a fair word? That are experiencing infertility. Yeah. What is your experience? What is your family's experience with that? Yeah. So um, it has, it was really a delicate thing for me going into because that process was the straw that broke the camel's back on my wife's previous relationship. And so there was already like a lot of trauma, a lot of triggering, a lot of pain associated with trying to have a baby um, with, with her. And, and with, so I wanted it to um, be different for us, but I also didn't want that to be something that ended up defining us. And so I, I always went into it with the idea, like, um, I would really love to experience this. I want to try to do this. I don't want to later in my life wonder like, what if, what if, right. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want this to be who and what we are. And I don't want to, you know, so for us, like it automatically is sort of like a medical thing. It's not free. It's not, you know, there's already a lot of work and effort that has to go in to it for same sex couples. And um, I ne- I said, if we ever get to a place to where we cannot provide, we don't have you know a good relationship anymore, or we cannot provide a good quality of life for ourselves and the kid we already have, um, because we're trying so hard to get this thing, then I don't wanna do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So then infertility, well, you know, infertility, a couple's inability to not have a biological child. And we know that right now, I believe there's one in four couples that struggle with it. I'm not sure what the statistics are. I haven't looked in a very long time, but where does that fall? Because there's two of you. So who would be the one to carry the yes. little bean? Um, my wife has no desire to ever ever do that okay. ever. Okay. <laughs> um, she always says I would have a million kids, but I would always just want somebody to hand them to me. Like I don't ever, her body. Yeah. All she just the extra it. stuff. Like I don't blame her. Cause it's a lot. Yes. Yes. So and then, so it's always so good. It meant to be me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you would be the one. And so have you, have you identified the cause, um, the root cause of why it's happening or why it's not happening rather? Well, so, you know, if you're a couple like ours and you have to get sperm from an outside source, Mm -hmm. um, we are automatically sort of like labeled as infertile because there's already like, unless, unless I were to go find, you know, a dude and have sex with him. Hey, all these dudes (laughs) out here, man, so many useless that have at least, okay, but I get it, I get it. So we, um, 
we did um, IUI okay. um, multiple times and ordering sperm from a sperm bank. And then last summer, we um, had a very good, wonderful, fantastic friend of mine um, offer to help us. And so nice. he did that for a few months and that did not work. And so we got to, I had a lot of tests done. I mean, they make you everything under the sun, all this blood work and these ultrasounds and things. And um, I am perfectly healthy woman. Okay. Uh, everything is everything under early thirties, everything's working fine. Everything checks out. So it is, I think it's like a statistical numbers game, honestly. And so we did, I mean, if you do IUI, you get one try once a month. And yeah. so the odds already are not that high. And so right. we got to the point to where, um, we were recommended the next step to be IVF, um, which is really invasive. Um, it's a really long, difficult painful process. Mm. Um, and it is most of the time not covered by insurance. Mm. So you're looking at no less than like 15 to 20 grand out of pocket. Oh, yeah. And Just that is the point where we stopped. Cause I said, what are like, look at all these things I could do with $20,000. <laughs> and you sounds, and you guys had the conversation, like if it really affects what we're trying to do in our current household, then yes. we kind of got to chill. But yes. that doesn't mean the desire goes away. You know, that doesn't mean that that longing and that wanting goes away. So, yeah. And we had, you know, we did, um, we did a foster adoption certification. We did that process as well. And, um, and so like without, you know, getting on like a super long tangent, I am now at the point and we are together where I'm trying to decide, um, why do I want this? Why do I need this? Do I need this? Do I want this? Or is my life like actually really freaking great the way that it is? Right. And did you have a desi desire before kids, before your relationship? Because I know that stepmotherhood could probably um, expound upon some missing holes in your own life. Um, yeah. I really have a desire before then. I mean, as much of a, like not a burning desire, but as much of as a desire as we think like, oh, I'm a woman. This is what, this is what we do. Right. 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 And now I'm questioning a lot of like where that desire came from. And then in the early days of stepmotherhood, I thought, um, I, I, I attached having my own child to be the answer to a lot of my problems. Mm. So like, well, maybe I won't feel so left out when I have my own kid, or maybe, you know, I'll have more decision-making autonomy, yeah. maybe this, maybe that. And, and started to really like cling to that as this thing that would make everything better. Oh, God. So let's talk about the small town because taking your life from the big city mm -hmm. to a small town, like, how was a transition? It was hard. I mean, so the most difficult, there were two things. Um, I work remotely. Um, and so, you know, I have the inclusive stepmom, but also I am a writer. And so, uh, I was freelancing and I do a lot of marketing stuff and, but that's all virtual. And so, okay. yeah, but, uh, which, which meant I could move easily and not have to, you know, change what I was doing. But that also meant it was really hard to meet people because I didn't realize how much that is how you meet new people in a new town is work. Yeah. Is the water cooler is the happy hour. It, you know, it's all the, the work related stuff. And then 
the queer community is surrounded by like a straight community mm-hmm. and the queer community sometimes has to go through the straight doors um, of acceptance. And so it means it's a little bit difficult just to meet cool people. Well, you live your freaking life. Yes. And, and also, you know, this is, this is the town my wife's, my wife's ex was born and raised in. And so um, I was already, it was like already, I was coming into somebody else's territory and. um, Oh, snap. And everybody already knew who everybody knows her family, everybody, um, not only that, but everybody knows, you know, the, the two gay women who are raising the redhead. Like, like oh, that's <laughs> so so, just kind of sliding up in this, this yeah. ready-made thing. Oh, so I walk into any place of business, any event, any, anything. And like, every, you? everybody already knew who I was. Oh, Beth. Yeah. And so my biggest hurdle was that (laughs) just and just just trying to like honestly give care start to care less about the fact that these people already knew who I was or like they thought they knew me right 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 and then I think over time you start to see who your people are gonna be yes you you gotta find your own people you gotta find your own people oh my gosh so let's talk I mean um we talked to Jenna Korf not too long ago on the podcast but let's talk stepmoms app because I love what you girls are doing um, I think it's freaking awesome. Yeah. How, how is that going? And what is your part in, in the app? Yes. So I, um, I helped build, you know, a lot of like the content library that we have in there right now. And a lot of the original promotion that we did, um, yeah. Jenna certified me as, as a oh, step family nice. coach. Yes. So she's always been like a huge mentor of mine. So okay. I, it's, I've always thought, you know, like, whatever you're doing, I'm on, I'm on board. Like I'm, you know, I I look up to her so much. She really is. And, and the app is a very cool place to be. I would imagine it's a lot like your community where people just feel less afraid of what they're saying and they, they, they filter less because, um, you know, even on Facebook, people are afraid to, to say certain things because they can, you don't know who's watching. Like you just, And if you have to pay to be somewhere, it's highly unlikely that someone who's trying to like look into your business is going to hop over there and do it. Exactly. Yes. Well, that's so freaking awesome. Is it? And I know we, I told you I was only going to keep you a certain amount of minutes and I kept you way over because it's just always amazing talking to you. Is there anything that I did not ask you? I have like 80 million more questions, but I know you guys, you know, we'll probably just have to do a part two. But is there anything, Beth, that I did not ask you that I should? should have asked I don't think so Nasha I mean other than like when are we gonna get to see each other in person that's all (laughs) you know what let's talk about that um, okay the air because I have a good idea oh my god and you're on the east coast like I am yes you're right down the way how far are you from the city we call Mm -hmm. call New York City the city like we're the center of the world like we're the only city but in like maybe five hours I don't that ain't bad bad We're tripping though. We've been besties all this time and we've not sat down. That's kind of dumb on both our parts. I know it is. We should fix that. That's a pandemic. It was, there's not a pandemic anymore, but we had one. So it was deadly. And we'll blame that. It's fine. We'll blame that. 
All right, everybody, please, please go and visit the Inclusive Stepmom. Go and check out Beth's platform. Visit her online, Instagram, and pop by her website. Also, she's on Facebook. Make sure you tell them that Naja sent you, and any bestie of mine is a bestie of yours. I'll see you Tuesday, every other Tuesday, on your favorite streaming platforms. I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Not your heart.